Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Tarragon, with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikvah, and well-being. Using the wisdom found in the Parsha, we will reflect on how women can better care for themselves, their bodies, their souls, their relationships with their husbands, and with Hashem. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, which was born of the same motivations to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women, and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships to enrich Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com. To learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, comfortable, and meaningful. Rabbanit Shani Tarragon has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work, and we are honored to combine two of her passions Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well being. Without further ado, Shani. Hello, this is Shani Tarragon, and welcome to Eden's Wisdom and Wellness for Women Parsha podcast. This week's Parsha, Parshat Yitro, begins with Yitro taking his daughter Tipora and grandchildren, Gershom and Eliezer, to be reunited with Moshe Rabbeinu. And the question arises, why is this such a significant story to serve as a prelude to Ma'amad Har Sinai? What, in fact, is Yitro's intention in coming to Moshe? And why does the Torah take such pains to emphasize the family aspects of his action? We begin with... The story of Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe, took Tipora, Moshe's wife, after he had sent her and her two sons, and Yitro, father-in-law of Moshe, and his sons and his wife came to Moshe, and he said to Moshe, I, your father-in-law Yitro, have come to you and your wife and her sons with her. Once it have been a little more appropriate to somehow summarize, or at least lessen the personal family aspect here in order so that we can continue with the regular program of Yitro's spiritual motives that are going to come to the fore, namely his recognition of God as the greatest of gods. Let's examine the story for a moment, appreciating not only the structure, but the interesting nuances that are incorporated. We begin in Pasuk Aleph, Yitro, the priest of Midian, the father-in-law of Moshe, heard that all Hashem had done for Moshe and for Israel, his nation, when God took him out of Egypt. Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe, Tzutzipora, Moshe's wife, after he had sent her. The Psukim continue in Pasuk, Hey, Yitro, father-in-law of Moshe, came, and he said to Moshe, I, your father-in-law Yitro, come to you and your wife and her two sons with her. We then hear, beginning Pasuk Zion, of Moshe, who went out towards his father-in-law, prostrated himself, kissed him, and each asked him of the other's welfare, and they came to the tent. Moshe then told his father-in-law everything they had done to Paro and to Egypt on behalf of Yisrael. Yitro rejoiced for all the good. Yitro said, blessed is God for saving you from the hands of Egypt. And only at the end, Pasuk Yudbet, verse 12, Yitro, father-in-law of Moshe, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron and all the elders of Israel came to eat bread with the father-in-law of Moshe before God. Note that although there's a strong connection between the verbs of the two halves, this does not necessarily indicate the significance of the content. In the first half, Tipor and her two sons are mentioned three times, and then it seems as if they completely disappear from the story. The second half of the story not only doesn't mention Sipora or the children as if they've been completely forgotten, but who is really in the spotlight in the second half? 
Yitro himself is both the object of the actions of the other characters and the subject of some of his actions. But he, who had formerly placed his daughter and his two grandsons at the center of activity, apparently now seemed to disappear from his consciousness and from his actions. If we compare the two parts of the story, we know that on one hand, there are very similar verbs, whether it's Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe, who took Tzipora, parallel to verse 12, Yitro, father-in-law of Moshe, took a burnt offering, or Yitro, in Pasuk 6, says to Moshe, I, your father-in-law, Yitro, come to you, and similarly, verse 10, Yitro said, blessed is God. In verse 5, Yitro came, and similarly, Aaron and all the elders came. The parallel between the verbs of the two halves come to actually emphasize the difference between them. In the first part, all of Yitro's actions concern the family issue, the welfare of Tipura, his daughter and her two sons, who are now ready to return to Moshe Rabbeinu. But in the second half, by contrast, all the actions bear a much more religious character. Yitro recognizes God. Different expressions of how great HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. Yitro takes a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. He says words of praise to God. And then others come to eat bread before him, together with him, and before God. What is really responsible then for the change in actions and the focus of the story? It seems that the difference is going to come through what Moshe Rabinu says to Moshe. Initially, Yitro comes because he hears of all the good that Hashem had done for Moshe and for Yisrael, his nation. What seems to motivate Yitro's reunion with Moshe Rabbeinu is that he hears of fantastic miracles that Hashem had done, and he believes that it's done because of his wonderful son-in-law, Moshe Rabbeinu. But what is the pretext then of the reunion? How is he going to come to Moshe? Well, he's going to take Moshe's wife and Moshe's children, and that's going to be the basis for his being able to return to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's only when he comes to Moshe that Moshe begins to speak to him, not about the miracles that Hashem had done, particularly for him, Moshe Rabbeinu, but rather for all the good that God had done to Paro, to Egypt, because of Yisrael, all the trials which had met them along the way. Here, Moshe expands the scope HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not perform miracles for him, but rather for all of Am Yisrael. The reception of Moshe Rabbeinu is going to focus on the actions of Hashem, transforming the relationship between Yitro and Moshe from not merely a filial one, but rather one that is going to bond them with similar religious perspectives and philosophies. Here we find then that the structure of the two halves is meant to help us appreciate the significance of the story. This isn't really a family story, and it's not really a story of conversion either, but rather it narrates a process of ascent. It starts as a story where the main character is, is motivated by family concerns. Yitro initially then is mentioned only over and over again as Chotein Moshe, the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then by the second half of the story, he's Yitro. He has a new awareness of God. He has a relationship with Moshe Rabbeinu beyond just the connection of the family. He now recognizes the God of Israel, and therefore the honor that's bestowed upon him is not as Chotein Moshe, the father-in-law, through the family relationship, but rather through the philosophical awareness and through the parallels with Moshe Rabbeinu. This is a beautiful idea that I love to say sometimes at Sheva Brachot. 
Initially, when we think of our relationship within the family, at first, all that seems to connect us, especially parents and in-laws, parents and, and uh, their in-law children, seems to be simply the family. A father-in-law may call a son-in-law, and the conversation begins with, how are the wife and kids? But ultimately, the goal is to be able to relate on a much deeper level, to be able to talk about dafyomi, to be able to find some type of, of conversation and common philosophy. And perhaps this is exactly how the Torah then is going to introduce our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. At first, it seems that we need to find whatever common ground there is, using relationships as the basis then, family relationships, spousal relationships, as the basis of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Beginning then from the very fact that we have, we have a family relationship, God took us as his people, but ultimately to see that there are many more common values and that we appreciate what is beyond. This obviously then is relevant to all relationships that we're going to develop. At what begins as something much more technical, Yitro Chotein Moshe, is ultimately going to bond us even beyond. I believe that this is the perfect time then to introduce Gary Chapman's famous five love languages. Love languages that are meant to help us appreciate how to communicate one with the other. And that this also helps serve as a wonderful introduction to our relationship with God. The five love languages are words of affirmation, using words to build up the other person. Thank you for taking out the garbage. Not, it's about time you took out the garbage. Or, and who do you think was going to take out the garbage? But rather, the thank you, the gratitude, words of affirmation. Gifts, because gifts say, I was thinking about you. Thirdly, acts of service, doing something for your spouse that you know they would like, whether it's cooking a meal, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, all of these are acts of service. Fourth, quality time, giving your spouse your individual attention, taking a walk together, sitting on the couch, and not talking, listening, and lastly, physical touch, which we know may be very difficult at times during the Nida period, and because this is a time then that we're challenged to see what our secondary love languages are, how we can not only compensate, but ultimately build off of these. Each, each person has a primary love language, which speaks perhaps more deeply to you than to others. And therefore, we're attaching a, a brief article to help each one discover their own love language. Firstly, keeping in mind that this doesn't just relate to our relationships with our spouses, but our children as well, trying to discover what their love languages are. I have one child, too, for a while. As soon as I would walk through the door, would say, Ima, do you have anything for me? And sometimes it could be something as simple as a pen, as an expression of a gift that shows that I was thinking of him that day. Or one child who just likes when I'm around, even if no words are exchanged. Another child, particularly a daughter, who needs the time not only for me to listen to her, but ultimately to provide for her words of affirmation. Certainly then, if we can develop these in our spousal relationship, hopefully they'll have an effect on our relationship with our children and our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. So this is a great time to try to think of different ways in which we can not only express our love languages, but develop and enhance them all the more. And this, in fact, is going to be translated in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. 
whether it's uh, the words of affirmation, using our words, gifts, we're going to be introduced to the karbanot that are going to be part of our covenants with God, acts of service, so many of the mitzvot, each one serving as a means for us to express our love towards Hashem. Quality time. Zachor et yom hashabbat lekacho, spending the twenty-four plus hours of Shabbat together. And it's true, we don't have physical touch, but we have so many different physical symbolic means of being able to connect to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, using our relationships, our physical relationships, and the love languages that are so imperative to developing and enhancing the relationships as a means of relating to Hakadosh Baruch Hu as well. So we want to invite all of our listeners to join for a very special evening, an evening with a time well spent, an evening, date night, see it as such, to come to Tel Aviv Tuesday, March 3rd at the play Mikvah by Hadar Galron at Habima Theater, followed by a post-show discussion with myself, together with the actresses and Eden's founder and director, Dr. Naomi Grummet. The play explores themes that arise around the mikvah and the complex relationship that women have with it. Tickets can be purchased at the attached website, and you can also support the Eden Center through sponsorship of that evening. The play is open to both men and women, so come with friends. Use it as your date night, and I look forward to seeing you there. Wishing you all a Shabbat Shalom. And how can I forget? I also look forward to seeing you, Be'ezrat Hashem, this coming Sunday starting 6 p.m. with a wellness fair and then continuing at 7 p.m. with Shirim and lectures with regards to the prevention of breast cancer, skin cancer, numerous workshops. Come for your own screenings and take advantage of this phenomenal evening of wellness sponsored by the Eden Center together with Matan Hasharon. Looking forward to learning and developing not only relationships with others, but ultimately, taking care of ourselves. Hope to see you there as well. This week's podcast is sponsored by Medina and Akiva Korn, in memory of Medina's mother, Rosalie Kachin, Zal, who always had wisdom to share and celebrated the gift of wellness in this season. To sponsor an episode, go to bit.ly slash Sponsor podcast. This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon, music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We also welcome your feedback and questions on the podcast. Email us at podcasts at theedencenter.com. Thank you.